Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 159, a conversation with a new turkey hunter. And I am your host and the guy who is late getting this week's episode out. So thanks to a technical glitch, I lost the interview that I had for you guys for this week. And fortunately for me, we have a listener who volunteered to come on this week's show. And that listener just so happens to be a new turkey hunter who had questions for me about the sport. And I offered to answer those questions for him in a phone call that I wanted to record and use for this week's show. And I think it's a great one. So, I've got one little note that I need to throw out there to you guys before we get into the interview for the week. And that is that this interview, this call, was actually recorded in the lobby of the downtown Marriott in Louisville, Kentucky, or excuse me, in Louisville, Kentucky. And there's a good bit of background noise. Now, I tried to cut a lot of that background noise out, and I think I did a pretty darn good job of it, if I do say so myself. But the audio is going to sound a little choppy in some areas. So, Overlook all that. There's some pretty cool content in here. We cover everything from cows to fences to tame turkeys to turkey vests to bourbon. Speaking of being in Louisville, Kentucky. So without further ado, here is Justin Bean and I will see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I am excited to tell you guys that I have on the line with me today a new turkey hunter, Justin Bean. And Justin has, well, Justin has the same issue that I had when I started and you guys who are experienced listening to the show had when you started and he's got questions. And so he's emailed me a few times and we've chatted and I said, you know, I I just... I'll see if Justin wants to come on the show and I'll answer his questions that he has and maybe help him over the learning curve a little bit and get him pointed in the right direction and in hopes that he can have some success this fall. So, Justin, how are you today and where are you? I'm doing good. Um, I'm in Gordonsville, Tennessee. We're about 45 minutes uh, east of Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. And um, like I said, it's, uh, it's it's our first chilly day today, so it's yeah. actually a nice. We've had a lot of rain all week, so um, yeah. today's, uh, today's going to be a busy day. So good. I'm happy to be here and happy to be, uh, be able to ask these questions today. It's, uh... Well, I hope that I can help you out and get you pointed in the right direction. I, I do recall what it was like being a new hunter and... You know, turkey hunting can be very frustrating because they are, wild turkeys are just so wary by nature. I mean, the word wild is in their name. And so it's not like a deer where you can sit and watch a deer from a blind and get a shot. Right. You know, and, and so turkey hunting, you've got you've got to be close to them. And one way to get close to them is to call them in. And so... That's, I think, for a lot of people is a big struggle, but I'm going to 
ask you to share the story and if you don't want to share it that's fine but I'm going to tell you with that email you sent me this past weekend I laughed at it because I know that you're not the only one that's done it but I'm sure you feel like you are the only one that's done it and there have been many times that I've been hunting and I have wondered am I calling to a turkey that's not going to come to me for a particular reason so do you mind sharing your story from this I, past I weekend do not, i do not care um i do not care at all it was actually uh it was pretty funny it's an awesome story well <laughs> jump into that i, I okay. just love the story it was great we purchased 62 acres in gordonville uh, a little over a year ago and we've i've always had the dream of course to live off the land to garden mm -hmm. to, to raise my own animals you know just that sort of thing it's just always been something with me my, my dad never hunted nobody in my family hunted so i had nobody to show me these i call them life skills that are very important you know for, right. for any individual and that's another reason which i'll get into later why i wanted my son you know this, we're starting from scratch both of us you know, <laughs> yeah nothing about turkeys except for they seem to be way smart than we are <laughs> and um but uh that morning we um we headed out we had already been tracking these turkeys we've seen them actually our first day out looking we seen i think we had a total of eight hens and this gobbler and by the way for anybody that's first time turkey hunting and you're sitting there they will just appear out of nowhere oh yeah they are very they're a lot larger than I ever expected them to be because we were sitting at some point, you know, and we had them come within 10 yards and even at 10 yards, I mean, that's a big bird. Yes. And uh, that, that, that's something I never, that, you know, I, when we bought this property, I always told my wife for years, I want to kill a turkey. I want a turkey hunt. I want to bring home a turkey on Thanksgiving like the pilgrims did. Yeah. She always laughed at me. But, you know, and I, I thought it would just be something you could go out and hunt this turkey. And it's definitely not that easy. Right. But back to the story. We uh, we woke up early that morning. We went out about an hour before daylight, and uh, we had been hearing a gobble on the back half of our property. Now, we were scared to go onto the adjoining farm because, of course, it was not our property. Mm -hmm. Now, we lease uh, a lot of our land out to uh, a farmer down the road here, and he leases pretty much most of the land that's around us. So okay. If you want to picture all these farms that pretty much join each other into one continuous loop, so all of these properties touch each other. So he, being the awesome guy he is, we let him, we lease uh, to him for free. He puts his cattle on a certain part of our property, and we don't charge because he's teaching us how to raise the cattle that we have, and you know, he's kind of giving us that uh, the pointers on what we're wanting to do. Yeah. But he says, if I want to kill a turkey, I go over and kill that turkey. So. He uh, pointed us, you know, of course, how we go, and he drove us through and showed us the openings, and he's got all these different gates. And we went out that morning, that next morning. We got up super early because, like I said, we had been hearing that Tom. He's been gobbling at us for three days. We yeah. watched him. We followed him, and my, me and my son had uh, followed him for actually two days, and we thought that they was on a pattern, and we thought we actually had him whooped. And we say we went out scouting that Thursday. It was uh, a couple days till the, before the end of turkey season here. Mm -hmm. We scouted him for two days. We watched him walk, and uh, we didn't take a gun on those days because we were scouting. And we were very, very, very new at that point. This was weeks ago. <laughs> and he... Uh, we, like I said, we, we let him pass, and I said, all right. I told my son, Ethan, I said, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We know where he is. He comes through here every day. We've seen him for two days, same pattern. So we come back that next morning. We sit, and we sit, and we sit. We sit all day. Wow. And here, 430 approaches, no bird come through. And we had done moved all over these 500 acres looking for him. Yeah. So... That following morning, we get up after giving the permission. We're sitting on top of this huge hill over these valleys, and there's about 700 yards one way to a fence, 700 yards the other way to the fence. All this property is cross-fenced, if you know what the cross-fence means. Yeah. So we're on the top of this hill, and my son, which he's been wanting to do the turkey calls. Of course, I've been we, have, we haven't gotten too good at the diaphragm calls, but the slate calls we're getting fairly fairly good at. Yeah. He still sounds like he has turkey bronchitis when he's doing it, but he's getting better. <laughs> I do too, and I've been doing it for years. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he, he wanted to call, so I said, sure, you know, go ahead. And since I've started listening to your show, of course, calling less is what I've tried to do. Of course, yeah. And sitting for an hour at each place. And with a with a kid, you know, sitting for an hour is hard to do. Yeah. 
But uh, we're on the top of this hill, and I let him take the slate. He, he does a call, and uh, he does it fairly loud. Of course, I can get on to him. I'm like, hey, you know, you don't have to go so loud. We're on top of this hill. And about that time, we hear it sounded like a, a group of gobblers. I mean, it sounded like a, this, a legion was coming our way. There was a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And we look at each other with eyes as big as bold eggs, and boy, we thought we were the, the we thought we were the biggest tom out there. We were up there strutting on top of that hill, you know, with our chest out, thinking we did something good. So we give it a few minutes, and I let him call again, and then they call back. Now I'm I've recently lost my hearing in my left ear, so mm. I'm only mono hearing at this point. Yeah. And it's just something that's happened over the last few years, and it's just something I've I've had to adapt and get accustomed to. Which I'll have a question on that later, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. But he's my he's my extra ears, you know. So I'm asking him, hey, where did you hear that? So he points over at this corner. So we sit there and we sit there. We've got the binoculars out. We're looking around, and then I see a tree line, and on the other side of that tree line, I see these birds that look like. I mean, they ate beach balls. These are huge birds, yeah. and they're. And I said, "Oh my lord, Ethan, these are. Those look like they're all toms. They're on the other side of that fence. We've got all this property, but yet they're on the other side of the fence in these people's yard." So I'm thinking what to do. I'm not the experienced person. I didn't want to try to move with my son. I knew they would have saw us if we, you know, if we'd moved. We were on the right. field with a four four wheeler. Okay. So I said we're going to ditch the four wheeler and we're going to head on down. So we walked and hiked all the way. I guess we got to about 300 yards across and in the fence line to where we could look across at them. And would you know that all morning we have been calling to nine huge gobblers that were pets. <laughs> We we were sitting there looking through the binoculars, and about that time, a Cadillac pulls up into this yard, <laughs> into the backyard, and I told my son, I said, oh, they're going to scatter. Uh-huh. They're going to take off now, because this lady also had a bunch of chickens in her yard, so I thought the turkeys were just over there eating the food on the ground and scratching around and hanging out with the chickens. Yeah. And that lady pulled up, them turkeys ran up to her car. <laughs> so... I looked at my son with the, the, I felt like I was two inches tall, but I had led him around. <laughs> and uh, we have been tracking, I guarantee you, we spent three hours on those turkeys. Wow. But that's fun. It was fun. It was fun, and it was a lesson learned. Absolutely. Well, and, and so, you know, I told you that I've wondered at times if I have been messing with pinned up birds before because. I've been hunting around homesteads and Mm -hmm. small farms, just like probably everyone listening to the show has. And you hear a turkey gobble, and it comes from the direction of that homestead. And you call again, and it gobbles, and you work around. You you sit down somewhere where you think you can call that bird in, and you sit and you call, and the turkey gobbles. It call, and it gobbles. You call, and it gobbles, and he never moves. And so there have been times when I have actually gotten up and walked off from a turkey because I thought that it was a pet turkey in a pen. Hmm. And there was one time in particular that me and two of my buddies, this was right after I started turkey hunting, we were in this little stretch of woods that one of my buddies had permission to hunt, and we were calling, and this turkey was gobbling his brains out. And we got about halfway to that turkey from the truck. So we're probably 200 yards from the turkey at this point. And the turkey is just gobbling, I mean, almost nonstop. And I looked at my buddy Chip and I said, that's somebody's pet turkey in a pen. I'm going back to the truck. And I turned around and walked off and went back to the truck. I said, you're wasting your time. So I left him. And my buddy George came with me, and we walked back to the truck. And we're sitting there at the truck messing around and calling crows. And about 45 minutes later, we see Chip walking up the road, and he gets about 50 yards from the truck, and he's got a turkey over his shoulder. (laughs) (laughs) So it was not somebody's pet turkey in a pen. (laughs) It was actually a wild turkey that was on the edge of their property and was just hung up. Uh, on the edge of this old homestead and was just hung up and wouldn't come in and chip finally got worked around and you know got in a position where the turkey would actually leave where he was and come in and so you know you are not the only person that's ever run across that or had that issue before i will assure you without a doubt tell you that i think many of us have felt like fools at times for that very reason but 
it's going to happen. You know, people are going to have farm birds that are going to gobble, and we're going to work around on farm birds every once in a while. The truth about it is we actually are in the middle of building. I'm actually almost done. I have about maybe a few hours left of building. My wife wants this. She wants chicken. So we, I have made this big, huge, I call it the Taj Mahal for chickens. It's this huge chicken run that she wanted that we're almost done building. And I was telling her, you know, I I think I want to put some turkeys in there. After that day, I came home. I told her, I am not doing that. I'm not (laughs) going to trick someone else like I was tricked today. So I, I was just wondering how they didn't, why they didn't fly out of the fence. I guess maybe you can clip their wings the same as you can do, or you just tame them to where they just they don't leave. I suppose, but nevertheless, I won't ever get to shoot those birds. Yeah, well, you can't say that. Maybe the homeowner <laughs> will uh, will want one for Thanksgiving and let you go over there and call it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I might want a little bit of a harder task. I think, maybe, but, uh, that well, would be that would be a great first hunt. That would be that'd be good. I can tell you that if that if that works out and the neighbor lets you do that, there's there's a call that you can buy that I feel like will work very well, and it's oh, the, yeah. it's the Cadillac call. <laughs> I think if you, you get, get in out, my Escalade and roll up on it, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Pull in there and get the turkeys to run in, and you just pick which one you want. Oh, that is, I, I like I said, I thought for sure those birds were going to scatter that day because, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, heck, there's, I mean, I'm going to tell you what, I don't know from judging the, I mean, like I said, these birds were humongous. These birds weighed at least 30 pounds a piece. I mean, these were some, these birds were humongous, and they were all Tom. There wasn't a hen out there. They were, they were, just, and you, Ethan and I actually drove. He, he was so bent on wanting to see the turkey, the Tom, closer. So we drove by the fence line, and they all came to the fence, stuck their heads over. So you got like nine turkeys you know five feet sticking their heads over just a gobbling their brains out at us as we drove by so he got a kick out of that yeah that's about as close as we'll get to one this season anyways so is your fall season over now yes sir okay okay so you've got spring season coming up and i can't remember when it starts in tennessee is it april 1 april april 1 yes okay okay very good so and we have, um, I have um, family in South Dakota that we have access to, you know, some of the ranches out there. And we have a place that's in Michigan as well that's in the middle of the Oscoda National Forest. So I'm hoping to take advantage of those now that I have this new um, turkey bug. Yeah, yeah. So you sent me an email yesterday that basically said, I've got this bug very badly. And <sighs> I can't get enough information. I can't get I just can't get enough to satisfy this itch that I have. So you sent me several questions, and at that point in time, I said, well, I'll I'll just see if we can set up a call for Justin and record it and hopefully, you know, have something on there that everyone can learn from, you know, because I know that there are a lot of new hunters that listen to this show, new turkey hunters as well. And if I can do something to help you get over that climb up the learning curve there's no way with one phone call i'm going to help you get over the learning curve but if i can help you climb that learning curve and get you to where you're more comfortable maybe that can help you to have some success a little bit quicker and maybe get rid of a a little bit of the frustration but you know the frustration in learning the sport is part of the fun and so it's extremely frustrating getting your just getting schooled by an animal that has a brain the size of a walnut and making turkey out of me yeah yeah and they do to all of us and so but that's part of the fun of the sport so you had a few questions for me do you want to run through and ask me some of those now sure sure i would all Um, right my main one that I've been stumped on, and of course, when I started this, uh, I, I read and I will do my due diligence. I will do my research before I ever get into anything just to make sure if it's something I want to do. So I've studied my hind end off for turkey hunting for the past month. Mm-hmm. Okay, it started. So I, I got the first book that I got, and the only one was a John E. Phillips, I believe the guy's name yeah. was, Turkey Hunting Tactics. Yeah. In there, there's a few things that I found that were not true, or even if they are, then maybe not so much anymore and of course listening to your podcast i've learned that these these birds have so many different characteristics uh in different parts of the country you know they don't all it seems like do you know what this book portrays the turkey to do or what right. Tom Sawyer, uh you know said the turkey will do but like we have 
our property, like I said, that joins with others. I've seen these turkeys on our property numerous times. Last year, we seen a tom that was so big, my aunt said, that that turkey's got a rope stuck around his head. He's going to get stuck in the woods somewhere. And, of course, we were like, no, that's his beard. But this beard was huge. You know, he was dragging on the ground almost, well. it seemed, from as far. So, and that was before I ever had, you know, like this turkey was making me feel the way that it does today. Yeah. So, we've seen these turkeys on our property. There is parts where the fence, if you have a lot of property, and of course you understand you've walked these property lines, not all of the fence is, is sound. Right. All of the fence, it, the turkey, it looks like it would go under. I, you know, I would go under it if I wanted to get to somewhere to eat, you know, but this book says they don't go under or over or they don't like any diversion to get in their way, but it seems to be the opposite is that true well okay so yes and no fences are a hindrance for a turkey when the turkey wants it to be a hindrance i mean they they can fly so they can get over any size fence or type of fence that is keeping them from going where they want to go if they want to and so the and they do it daily. You were talking about these fences and cross fences where you where your property is and on neighboring farms, and that is not an uncommon site or an uncommon barrier for a wild turkey in those areas. So they're used to going under, over, and in a rare case, even through a fence in those areas. What I think that Phillips is referring to in that book is in the spring when you have a gobbler that is responding to your calls the best thing to do if you can do it is to any obstruction like a fence or a blowdown or a creek or even a paved road any obstruction like that if you can eliminate that obstacle from being between you and that turkey you have increased your odds of success in that hunt exponentially and for whatever reason and people have their reasoning behind this you know their thoughts as to why turkeys do this but they think that well it's you know i hear people say well you know the hen's supposed to come to the gobbler and so when the gobbler hits an obstacle like that he'll stop because the hen's supposed to come to him and you know there's there might be something to that i don't know that we'll ever know 100 percent why a gobbler will walk across or excuse me will walk under a fence a three-strand barbed wire fence or even one little strand of barbed wire that's there while he'll walk around it or under it one day and not do it the next when you're trying to call him to you and you know there have been situations in the past where either been trying to work a bird across a property line onto my property or We've even got some, some old fences that run through our property, our hunting club property, that are old. And so they'll only have one strand going from one post to another. And then maybe between the next two posts, there are no strands of barbed wire. And that turkey will walk up to that one strand of barbed wire and stand there and gobble and gobble and gobble and walk back and forth like there is a glass wall that he keeps bumping into when he could easily walk five more feet walk around the fence because it's down walk around that next post because the fence is down between those two posts walk right through there and come into me but he just won't do it so now, you know tall grass uh, a factor as well they do not like the tall grass correct oh man no that that's a good question because I'm going to tell you that that's going to vary a great deal depending on where you're hunting now I'll tell you that Alabama, tall grass is something that a wild turkey does not want to walk through. Now, when we hunted in Missouri, it was not unusual at all to walk up to this wheat field where the wheat would be about mid-thigh height, so, you know, two and a half feet tall, and you can slip up to those wheat fields and take your binoculars and scan the field, and you could see red heads poking up out of the field and, and i mean the middle of the field it's not like the edges only and these turkeys were walking out into the the wheat field and up during the hot part of the day they would sit down in the wheat field because the grass and the ground down there was so much cooler 
than the air temperature. And so they would get in there and they would you know, just sit down on the ground and you could see their heads poking up out in these fields. And we actually killed a turkey that way and missed another one by just spotting them out there and identifying as well as we could that it was a gobbler and slipping around and crawling and shooting one. And so I don't know, you know, some people around where I hunt theorize that turkeys don't like tall grass because the grass typically stays wet and because it stays wet with the morning dew that it makes the turkeys wet and they don't want to be wet, which I totally get. I, mean, I don't right. think very many wild animals other than maybe a fish wants to stay wet. But other people say, well, a tall grass is just an area for predators to hide and conceal themselves. And I can totally see that as well. So, you know, I think there's are two decent explanations for why a turkey doesn't necessarily like tall grass in the areas that they don't. But you mentioned you've got family in Nebraska and there's tall sage grass in Nebraska everywhere. And turkeys will walk through that and don't give it a second thought. It's just what they're used to doing. And I, you know, that's probably got more to do with it than anything else if I just had to guess. Because those turkeys in Missouri that we hunted, they were used to those big wheat fields and that tall grass in those wheat fields. Where I hunt in Alabama, there's not much agriculture. And so the turkeys are not used to having these big fields with tall grass in it that they pretty much have to deal with. They can stay in the woods and stay out of those fields. And so I think it's a matter of probably their environment and just becoming conditioned to their environment and what they're used to. So in an area where you've got a lot of agriculture going on, I would tell you that tall grass thing is probably not as much of an issue as it would be in an area where there's where it's mainly wooded and people have just food plots and that kind of thing out there where the grass has grown up and is waist high. I think that turkeys will typically avoid those areas if they can. Now they'll work the edges of those fields, but typically they'll stay out of the, the middle of those fields where the grass is so tall. Do the cows uh, become a factor? I mean, I know, you know, what they do as far as flipping the, you know, the, the cow patties over and eating the bugs. When the cows are out there, I haven't noticed because I haven't seen them enough while the cows are out there. But yeah. do the cows come into play? Do they scare the turkeys away if the cows are, you know, along the edge or in the field? Or do they just kind of have this common, I see you, you see me thing? Yeah, I think that's got more to do with it than anything else. The cows, are, cows get so used to seeing turkeys and vice versa that... They, the turkeys know the cows are not a threat, and most of the time, and I'm sure there's people listening to the show that have seen this more often than not, but most of the time, uh, you won't see a turkey right in the middle of several cows, you know, just right. in their feeding. They'll, they'll be, they, they tend to kind of keep a little bit of a distance from them. You know, whether it's even just 20 or 25 yards, which is still fairly close. But, you know, I, and like I said, I'm sure there's people listening that have said, well, I, you know, that have seen turkeys in with the cows and, and mixing with them and feeding and that kind of thing. But they're generally going to keep a little bit of distance between each other, but their cows are typically not going to affect turkeys as far as spooking them or that kind of thing. Now, a herd of cows can mess up your turkey hunt by coming in and their cows are very curious and so if they see you walk into an area and sit down after a few minutes they'll walk several of them will walk in there and they'll just stand there and stare at you and so you know that that is not good to help the situation as far as your hunt and you trying to conceal yourself you know so that that can be a, a pain in the rear sometimes and you know, there have been times where I've gotten up and tried to scare off the cows to help conceal myself, but I don't know. That seems to just bring them in even more. <laughs> you know, they get more curious after you run them off, and then you go back and you sit down. They come right back, and they start staring at you. But, you know, and, and decoy setups, they're, they're awfully intrigued by decoy setups. So the short answer to your question is no, they're not going to scare the turkeys or they should not affect your hunt but the long answer is 
they can at times affect your hunt for those reasons of busting you, drawing attention to you, messing up your decoy setup, that kind of thing. How often do they roost deep into the woods? From what I've read and learned, now I haven't seen or trailed them to where I could see where they've gone up to roost, but are they roosting deep into the woods, you know, this time of year? Do they usually just take the outside edges so that when they fly down, that they can fly down into an open area? Do they pick those areas in the middle of the woods where they have open spots to fly down? I was curious to uh, know that, if that's even um, possible. Yeah, that... I don't know that there's a, a solid everyday type of answer to that question because I think a lot of it has to do with, in some cases, with where a turkey is when it gets to be fly-up time. And generally, a turkey will start working its way back to a normal roosting area okay. as it starts so, to so get dark. So they do pretty much roost in the same area, not not specifically the same tree, but they will roost in the same area most of the time. Is that correct? Typically, typically they like to do that because it's an area that they're familiar with. They know the safe spots where they can fly down without a threat of there being a coyote or bobcat there. And so typically, yes. Now, what I have noticed in the areas that I hunt here in Alabama is that there's that that's becoming less and less the case. So let's say a wild turkey has a range of a square mile, so 640 acres. That turkey may be on the northwest part of that 640 acres come fly up time today, and that's where he'll roost tonight. And then tomorrow he may be in the southeast part of that area and fly up there but okay. it, it seems to be somewhat of a circuitous route that they'll take and they they tend to work that same area and so even though they may not be roosted in the southeast part of that property today they're in the, the northwest part of it tomorrow they may be in the southeast part and the day after tomorrow they may be in the southeast part and then the next day they may be in the northwest part so they'll tend to have two or three roosting areas where they may be on any given day and so you know i think that i, I don't really know why that is the case so much in alabama these birds are they've just had to adapt to such an ever-changing environment where there is a stretch of woods there today, and in a week it's gone because the timber crews have come in and cut it all. Right. And so they just, they've had to adapt to certain things, and, you know, they're losing roosting areas when a landowner has a timber company come in and cut timber. I mean, it's just, it, it is what happens. So right. they adapt, and they find another spot to roost. Well, you know... If that's not their prime spot, they may have, you know, if it's not the spot that they like the best to roost in, they may roost in two or three other spots just because they can and they're comfortable doing it. So, you know, their range, I think, has a lot to do with that. But if you've got an area where a bird is, where a bird has everything it needs, it's got plenty of food, it's got plenty of roosting trees, got plenty of fields to get out in and show off and display for the girls and most importantly it has a bunch of girls on it that turkey may very well roost within 10 trees of the same spot every single night do you think that those birds that are the pets are going to cause me a problem calling these other turkeys i don't think so at all i think okay. in fact well, with they, it, they could. With it being a large flock of male birds, though, you know, I think that a lone male bird, wild bird, would stay away from them. Um, but I don't really foresee that being much of an issue for you. How how big is the area that you watched them hang out in the other day? Oh, well, they were on maybe a two-acre backyard. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, right on the other side, there's 70, 80 acres right. field that they look at. Yeah. And they 
are usually not going to wander too far from where the food is. And so, you know, those those farm birds are probably going to stay w- within that area. So I don't know that you're going to have a whole lot of an issue with that big flock of birds there. I just have a few more questions. Like, I know you're a sure. busy man, and I'm not going to take up too much of your time. But um, if, uh, say somebody does raise a turkey, are you able to have the turkeys and release them onto your property? Or does that cause so – we were talking about this with another guy the other day, and I was telling him that I think that would cause a problem because if you're trying to raise these hybrid birds and you're releasing them onto your property, well, they're going to mate with these other birds, correct? And it's just going to create this this new chain of turkeys roaming around. Is that correct? You can't – you don't need to do that, right? That is correct, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you want to you want to try to keep that strain of turkeys where you are as pure as possible. Now, I'm I'm sure that there are wild birds that breed with farm birds, and you know that's just going to happen, and that's probably how we end up with a few of these birds around that have some some of these funky colorations to them. But yes, you know, I think that wild birds are going to want to hang around wild birds, but for whatever reason. From time to time, a wild bird will get pushed away from the rest of them, and they want to be around other turkeys. And so I don't think it's terribly unusual for a wild bird to show up and hang around farm birds. Okay. Um, but, yeah, well, you've got a couple of different considerations there. So that's one of them that we just talked about. Another is checking game laws because yeah. I know in Alabama – it's against the law to own or keep in a pen any wild animal that you don't have a permit for. So, like people have deer farms. Well, you've got to have permits in order to have a deer farm. You have to have permission and have permits to have wild turkeys as pets. I don't know how hard that is to get. Yeah, well, I mean, it's but, like... I was speaking with a guy, of course, he was just wanting to, he wants to try to populate the land by raising them and then letting them go. And, of course, that's where I was like, no, no, no. I don't think that's a good idea. But yeah. anyhow, and so I, many, I, it's just one of those. So many of those of birds that people will do that to don't last very long in the wild because they're used to seeing dogs. They're used to seeing mm-hmm. cats. They're used to seeing people. And those are the largest predators of turkeys. So when you turn that, semi-wild bird out into the wild the first coyote that sees that turkey's probably going to have a pretty good meal yes sir well like i said i had recently lost my hearing if you were one if you had one ear which i've gone from hearing you know stereo to hearing mono yeah. how would you approach uh tracking a turkey by yourself well how do they make those game ears you know and it's hard to say to somebody who has two ears which I can even no. can't even hardly remember back to remember what it was like to hear out of two ears. But you know, for me, a lot you know, I have to turn my head to hear, and then of course I'm hearing in mono, so I can't tell you what direction that the turkey is coming from. So yeah. A lot of times, that's why, of course, my son uh, bringing him along. Of course, he's in my shadow, anyways. I can't ever get rid of him. Um, but uh, you know, bringing him along has definitely helped out for me, and uh, maybe try to hunt with a partner in the future. But I was really wanting to try to do it alone, and I just don't want it to beat me. And right. Hearing aid thing that you can wear to you know, to hear far off, but hell, I'm still not going to be able to tell where it's coming from. Yeah, you know that is that is such a That's struggle. A question, isn't it? It is, and it's such a struggle because I'm 47 years old now, and I obviously don't hear as well as I did when I was in my 20s, thanks to all the rock and roll music and the Sony the Walkman. And the boomstick, exactly, because I did not take care of my hearing at a young age and have done a lot of shooting without hearing protection. And so I actually hear better out of one of my ears than the other. And so when that hat, so I, so I can relate to what you're experiencing, probably not to the level of what you're experiencing it at, because if your hearing loss is so great in that one ear, that it's going to exaggerate the issue, but I, I understand completely what you're talking about. So I can I can be hunting with a buddy and hear a turkey gobble, and we look at each other and both point in different directions okay. from where we heard that turkey, where we thought we heard that turkey gobble. And I, I'm going to 
tell you that that's probably going to continue to happen more and more and more as we get older because our hearing is not going to be as good. So it's one of the ways that I've had to adjust is I can't, a lot of times when I hear turkey gobble one time, I can't pinpoint where that turkey is. So I have to try to get that turkey to gobble a second time. Now, I'm going to tell you that that's not necessarily a bad thing because Lord only knows how many times I have gotten a turkey to gobble with what I call a courtesy gobble. Mm -hmm. So if I'm out in the woods walking around trying to strike a bird to gobble, I'll get them to gobble one time and that's it. So I call that a courtesy gobble, just the turkey letting me know where, where it is. And if I were a hen in the wild, I would be able to pinpoint that sound exactly. And if I was looking for company, I'm, I would work my way in the direction of that bird. But being a human being, I'm not able to point out that direction exactly and know where that turkey is to start moving in that direction. So I want a turkey to gobble more than one time because it helps me to be able to kind of pinpoint where he is and then pinpoint, right. you know, kind of plan out my approach from there to get in, in as tight as I can to that turkey and from the direction that I feel like I call him in the best. So I've, I've tried to use the scouting as my main thing to help me pinpoint these birds just just because of the hearing situation I figured if I could put myself and do my do my tracking and my scouting you know the way I'm the way I should that I should be putting myself in where those birds are going to be coming across or or, or in right. the area yeah so I, I figured that my hearing may not be that big of a deal as long as I can uh, learn to execute the scouting and tracking Right, and you're in an area where you can do that, where you've got some, some open fields to where you can spot turkeys and watch them with the binoculars and see what they're doing, see what they're eating, see where they're going, what time they're going there. And, you know, you were telling me your story about your hunt there, and you said that you felt like you had those turkeys patterned. And I'm going to tell you that if you're able to get to where you can somewhat consistently pattern turkeys you will kill more turkeys than the best turkey caller out there well he didn't pattern that one day like i said we followed them for two days and they were on the same one so the chances that my son and i spooked them i would say is probably way greater because it was it, this was our first week Andy. you know we were we were going around just by reading and listening to your podcast like we were cramming for a test we would you know we ran out no gloves, you know, naked hands and yeah. naked faces out there running around, you know, and like I said, he didn't show up that day. I actually went out and bought a brand new shotgun. My wife, ooh, she was not happy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got I've got one of those that I've made not happy <laughs> several times that I can relate to that. But, yeah, just when you think you've got one patterned, they'll do something different. But you've got to kind of store that away and use that to your advantage. So what I mean by that is, all right, you, you watch those turkeys for two days do the same thing. On day three, they did something different. On day four, they may have done the exact same thing that they did on day three. And on day five, they may be doing the same thing that they did on day one for the uh -huh. next two days. So they that is a way that you can pattern a turkey and keep that pattern going because like I said, most of the time, and it depends on what part of the country you're in, most of the time a turkey's gonna be working that home range, that that one square mile that they happen to, to live in. And just because that turkey spends two days on the northwest corner of that property doesn't mean that it's gonna spend day three there. He may spend day three on the southeast corner of that property. And so, but day three and day four, and maybe even day five, but on day six, if it, if that turkey did the same thing and you see it there on day six and it's back up in the northwest corner where you are and where you watched it and had it patterned, there's a decent chance on day seven the turkey's going to do the same thing it did on day six, as long yeah. as you don't push it and spook it. And so, yeah, that that can change a turkey's patterns, any kind of pressure like that. And a lot of times... If you, let's say you notice a turkey in a particular field at 9 o'clock in the morning, and you notice that two days in a row, on day three, you go out there, the turkey's not there at 9 o'clock in the morning. 
day four you go there and the turkey is there at nine o'clock in the morning and you say okay tomorrow morning i'm going to get there at eight o'clock i'm going to sit there for an hour and that turkey's going to come out at nine o'clock and i'll kill that turkey you get there at eight o'clock and the turkey is already there he's changed his pattern just a little bit maybe he roosted closer to that field that morning and he just happened to get there quicker or he followed a hen that made a beeline for that field and he's there you see him there back out just and just say okay tomorrow morning i'm going to be here at 7 30. And, you know, rather than, than try to push that bird or, or get that bird to do something that maybe it won't, it doesn't want to do or you spook it, that's, that's the main thing is just okay. avoiding spooking that turkey. Now, if you can still get to that field, even though the turkey's in it, by using the terrain or maybe there's a creek that runs along the edge of that field that might have a four or five or six foot deep creek bed, to where you can use that creek bank as a way to hide you. We have tons of Yeah, so you could use that creek as a way to, to hide your approach to that turkey, S very slowly slip up to the top of that creek bank, set up right there, make a call, and you know, if you're within shooting distance of that turkey, get a shot, you know, so, uh, but I would tell you if, if you run the risk of spooking a bird that's in a field by approaching him, just go ahead and, and call the hunt off for that day or go find a different turkey to hunt and come back and try to try to beat that turkey to that spot the next day gotcha. so gotcha. you know that that's the main thing because if you do spook them and a lot of times it may take more than one time to spook them you can alter their pattern and and get them to where they're not doing the same thing day in day out so well, these uh, these are, I'm like right, taking notes. I'm trying to like I'm like a sconographer. I'm getting <laughs> all this stuff written down. My last question, sir, is uh, is pretty much based around my son. Just because this, like I said, we we're learning this together. It's something yeah. that I want to do with him. Absolutely. He's nine years old. I the life skills that I think I, I feel that this will bring to the table for him and his his self esteem because he's he's nine. You know, fourth grade kids are a lot of kids are cruel. Kids are some of the cruelest uh, these days. Absolutely. You know I mean? Yeah. So I, I'm trying to build this self confidence and this um you know this aura about him that that this makes him more confident about going out so that's why this turkey hunting thing is is really big for me and just hunting in general that we're picking up but with that being said now we have christmas is coming up of course he wants a shotgun he wants this turkey vest but truthfully and this is just kind of just chewing the fat on the side sure make a turkey vest for kids that's that's decent right so as an as an entrepreneur i think i'm going to try to jump on this or as long as uh, mr Parrish or them guys don't try to at night in hell don't try to jump on before me but, yeah. but uh yeah. there needs to be a, a line of turkey vests for kids i know there is but they they just don't look as the comp the pad's not as comfortable you know for a kid to be sitting for that long of a time and if you wanted to experience it and experience it right i mean look at all right. those adults all this, all this fat old men out there running around you know hiking we got big thick pads for our rumps to sit on and chairs and uh-huh so for the kids, you're, I feel like I'm carrying half the house with me when I take him out. So yeah. I'm just trying to, uh, uh, and like I said, I've looked, and Cabela's has one that's been discontinued called the Tater Tot, I believe they called it, which was funny. Uh -huh. I told my son, since our last name is Bean, we'll, we'll make one called the Beanie Weenie. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean, I'm serious. I, I'm thinking about buying one and, and having it modified for him just because the ones that they sell at all these different places are they're just they just flimsy they don't look as good and i really want to get him involved in this to to the fullest so that he can pass this down to his kid sure yeah you know i think that buying a vest and modifying it so that it fits him better is not a bad idea so i'm with you i know there's not many of them out there at least that, that i see in catalogs and i know all of my buddies when their kids were young were letting their kids use their old vests so that they would have a cushion to sit on that was primarily why the kid would have a vest so one thing that you may want to look at or to try is there are these packs like a little fanny pack that he could put calls in and use and, and have that right, th right there where all that stuff would be accessible, easily accessible in front of him on his belt. 
and then there are cushions and the one that I use is an HS strut mm -hmm. is is who makes it and it's just a butt cushion that has a strap that comes off each side of it with a buckle and I use that when I deer hunt and occasionally will use it when I turkey hunt but that could be a good solution where he's got something to keep a couple of calls in to where he feels like he's part of the hunt and yeah, that was the main thing just trying to make him feel yeah like dad he's right. looking at me like oh i want that i want that that's exactly right we all want to be like our dads well most of us yeah. want to be like our dads growing up you know and so if dad has a vest we want a vest if dad's got that's a right. shotgun we want a shotgun and so you know those are those are things that i think are important to make a, uh, a kid feel like they're an active participant in the sport and so you know getting a vest and modifying it is definitely an option but i think if you bought those two things and and bought that little fanny pack that's and i and i apologize i cannot remember who makes that but okay, if you I'll look it up yeah if you've got a cabela's magazine which i think they're coming about coming out about daily uh because christmas is right around the corner or even a bass pro shops catalog you can probably well given the season it may be a little bit more difficult to find but i think you can get online and i think you can look up go to bass pros website or cabelas's website and type in turkey hunting fanny pack and probably pull one of those up or maybe if somebody listening to the show knows of what that is or has one maybe they can shoot you an email if you want to give your email address out or they can send me an email and i can forward it to you and then sure. that uh, may help. They, they can, yeah, they can email me at uh, Justin J U S T I N Bean B E E N E at me m e dot com. Okay. And um, but yeah, um, I actually wanted to spring something. I would love to give you the rapid fire question and answer. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I want to spring that spring that on. You don't have to. We can always do it at a different time. But uh, I thought that would be uh, something. Like I said, my son, he loves that part of the show. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, uh, I've kind of slowed down doing that with my guests, and I need I need to get back to it because I enjoy it. And so it is it is it is super neat. Yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah I'm, I've always wanted to ask you those questions. I, I'm I'm in. I, All right. I can't well, I have no. them right here. So uh, I've actually done my done my stuff here. I've got them written down. Okay. Are you going to time me, or do I need to time me? Uh, no, well, I figured it probably wouldn't be fair to time you because because um, you you see them and you do them so much. So I'm going to give them to you in an order that I had uh, wrote them down from. I guess I don't know if you get the same order every time or not. Yeah, for the uh, most part. Had, okay. Well, I wrote them down here. Okay. So we don't have to we don't have to do a time, but uh. Well, let's let's like see said, if we can scoot through them pretty quickly. Okay. All right. All right. How many turkeys did you kill last season? Four. Diaphragm, box, pot, peg, push, pull, tube, wing bone. Oh, uh, pot and peg. Wild turkey grilled, baked, or fried? Grilled. Wild turkey on the rocks, neat with cola, or with water? On the rocks. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? I have not. Have you ever killed a jake? Yes. A 10-minute successful hunt on a two-year-old or a four-hour-long hunt with a clean miss on a four-year-old? two-year-old oh that hurts wild turkey leg for dinner or for the dog dinner more or less than five strikers in your turkey vest five exactly uh the state you killed your first turkey in alabama the state you killed your last turkey in uh utah sit in a blind for four hours and no trigger <laughs> <laughs> two and three quarter inch three inch or three and a half inch shell three and a half four five six or blended shot six Filled turkeys or woods turkeys? Woods turkeys. Pump or automatic? Automatic. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight, or beads? Beads. Rubber boots, leather boots, or snake boots? Rubber boots. The most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Eight. The least number of turkeys you've killed season? Zero. Out of all the states you've hunted, which state has the most uncooperative turkeys? Oh. Mm. Alabama. If you only knew how to make one turkey sound to call, what would it be? Cluck. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good of a turkey caller are you? 5. Best turkey hunter you know? Um, Brian Pearson. Uh, I don't want to... Okay. Favorite turkey hunting book? Illumination in the Flatwoods. Who taught you how to hunt? The wild turkey. Think of the toughest turkey you've ever hunted. Did you think you were going to kill him? One I killed and one I let go. 
Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beard? Spurs. Biggest mistake new turkey hunters make? Not getting close enough to the turkey to sit up. Bigger fair turkey hunting season, snakes or spiders? Spiders. How long does the turkey season last in heaven and what's the bag limit? Mm. So I'm going to give a long answer to that one because <laughs> I think that most people say it lasts forever, but I, I think it probably lasts about four months. And the bag okay. limit has got to be, it's got to be five birds. All right. Well, you survived your own test, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would like to Is think that the first? I, I would like to think that it that turkey season in heaven lasts all the time and that there is no bag limit but I don't know I think that uh, would we get tired of it if we could do it every single day and maybe not go on hey, some days you know they say about, about owning your own business it's, uh, it, it's fun until you have to do it every day and then it becomes a job yeah yeah so that's kind of my theory behind that awesome so, but that, that was fun. And those questions, when I wrote them, I, I didn't, I wrote them just to kind of get to know people a little bit better, get to know the, the people who come on the show a little bit better in a, in a very quick way of doing it. Right. But for, I think for most people who want to give a, a solid, good answer, those are pretty tough questions. <laughs> Yeah, and especially yeah. to do and it in like a short said, period of time. My son loves it. He loves that part. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that was fun. And I've was that the first time that you had been asked those questions? I did. No, the short answer is no. So in episode okay. one hundred, the Turkey Hunter podcast intern Cameron actually asked me the questions and timed okay. me. And, and he put the timer to me, and I think I was about the fourth or fifth worst time. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you got practice. You can practice. I, I need a lot of practice. And so, well, yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate you letting me be on here today. This is awesome. I learned so much. Well, good, Justin. I, I appreciate you coming on. I am excited to, to see you jumping into the sport and going in with both feet, you know, and I wish you a lot of luck. And, you know, I didn't, I, I want to go back and touch on something because I don't feel like I gave you a solid enough answer about the hearing question because sure. there are so many of us that struggle with not being able to hear well in the woods. And I think that the best and easiest solution is to have a hunting partner like your son who can hear and point you in that direction, but we don't always have that luxury. Right. Those hearing aids like the game ears and there's several other walker game ears or several other that are out there i think that they can help you to be able to pinpoint where a gobble is coming from and probably how far away that gobble is now i've got walker game ears and i bought them primarily for deer hunting and they're awesome for deer hunting Okay. Now, what I like most about them deer hunting is, is it, it helps me to be able to hear a deer coming from much further away than I can hear with my bare ears. And then when I squeeze the trigger, that sound is dampened. And so... Oh, really? Yes. It has an automatic shutoff oh. on it, and it will cut off the sound of the gunfire. And it does a great job muffling the sound of the gunshot. So... You sold me. I, I like them for that reason. Now, here's I've tried them turkey hunting, and here's when I don't like them when I'm turkey hunting. Running a call with those game ears in your ears is yes, sir. miserable. It's punishment because it's amplifying the sound of that turkey call. And so what I've started doing is if I'm and, – and I hunt a lot of days by myself because I hunt during the week when my buddies are – either getting kids ready for school or driving kids to school or going to work or whatever else. And so I, I, on some mornings, will take those game ears and put them in my ears to help me locate turkeys, kind of get an idea of how far, they, how far away they are. And then once I start working my way towards that bird, I'll pull those game ears out of my ears and put them back in their case and put them in my pocket because I know I'm going to be running that call and I don't want to, I don't want that call blowing my ears out with the game ears in there. So they, I, I feel like they can help you a great deal in being able to at least have more confidence to go out by yourself. 
and okay. being able to find that sound. So I wanted to touch on that a little bit more because I, I think I, I think we kind of went past it a little bit quicker than I, I try not to make too big of a deal out of it, especially, you know, when I, I meet people and, and things like that. Of course, uh, if I'm, like, speaking to you in person, I, I don't like to try to look at your mouth or read your lips. I try to turn my ear, to, you know, to the right. Yeah. It, it helps me tremendously just by turning my ear to what I think, where it's coming from. Yeah, and, and I do the same thing on those days when maybe I don't have the, the game ears with me or when I, I have a, I have a really hard time pinpointing the drumming sound that a, that a gobbler makes because I hear better out of one ear than the other. I never can pinpoint that sound very well. And in Alabama, the turkeys that I hunt are notorious for when they get about 75 yards out, not gobbling and they'll start drumming. And so I can hear the drum, but I can't pinpoint where it comes from. And so I have to, I have to just concentrate so hard when I hear that. And if I think I can get away with it, I can move my head left or right and try to get right. that pinpoint that sound a little bit better. So, you know, if you can point your good ear in the direction that you think you're hearing it, that gobble come from and get that bird to Wait gobble again gobble yeah, yeah yeah you know that that can help you but I, I think in locating birds those game ear type devices those hearing aid type devices can be priceless okay i'll definitely check that out and uh, pick one of those up i appreciate it yeah no problem at all and, and i hope that works well for you i'm sure it will good deal well justin thanks for coming on the show man i'm i've enjoyed talking to you and you know i Wish you a lot of luck this coming spring, and if I can help you with anything, let me know. And hopefully someone out there has an idea or a suggestion about the vest or that fanny pack for you, and we'll shoot you an email on that and get hey, you pointed in the right you, direction. Uh, as they say in business, you know, riches is in the niches. I'm going to narrow it down. If uh, nobody else takes over, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start producing, mass producing these children's vests, and then I'll cut you in on Andy, so don't worry. <laughs> i tell you what. You you just let me know when you have it done, and I'll promote it on the show for you, and we'll help you sell some that way. How about that? Uh, all right. I appreciate it. Good deal. Justin, thank you again. I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving, and good luck to you this spring. You too, Andy. Thanks a lot. All right. Goodbye. Okay, so I hope that you guys enjoyed that. I'm keeping my intro and outro short this week because we are running late getting the show to you. And I hear a rumor that there is bourbon to be consumed in Louisville. Ah, dadgummit, I did it again in Louisville. So, I am going to get out there and find out if those rumors are true or not. But, Justin, when you were asking me the rapid-fire Q&A questions. I answered one of the questions incorrectly. I don't know why I did or even how I did, but when I went back and listened to the episode and edited the episode, I noticed that when you ask me about rifle sights, beads, scope, or holographic sight, I answered beads. But actually, I like very much and use on both of my turkey hunting shotguns fiber optic rifle sights. So the actual answer to the question for me should have been rifle sights. I apologize for that. And then one other question that you asked me was, who is the best turkey hunter that I know? Well, I answered that question along the lines of, who's the best turkey hunter that I've ever turkey hunted with? I have not turkey hunted with any of the big name professional guys that I've had on the show like Chris Parrish or Preston Pittman or Eddie Salter. And some of those guys, I'm sure, are a better turkey hunter than the person that I named. But it was a struggle between the name that I gave and one other person. And to keep that person from getting a big head, I'm not going to mention the second person's name. How about that? (laughs) So that's just a couple of notes that I had from our rapid fire Q&A session there. But I'm going to cut you guys loose this week. I hope to be coming to you next week with the interview that I lost this week. I hope to re-record that this coming week and bring that to you for next week's show. So, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week. And 
a happy Veterans Day to you guys that have served in the military out there. Thank you very much for what you've done, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.